What if you finally figured out how to overcome fear, anxiety, and what is holding you back so you can live life on your own terms? That's what I've done. And on this show, I share my best tips for overcoming the BS that gets in our way. We'll tackle the root of what is holding you back so you can start challenging your own limiting beliefs. We'll also talk about our mental health and why it is so important to take care of ourselves. Stop living a life full of worry, fear, and anxiety. Break the cycle and start your healing journey here. I'll teach you everything you need to know. This is the Live Less Afraid podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Michelle Jones, and this is the Live Less Afraid podcast. And I am so excited to be talking with our guest today. Uh, her name is Michaela Palak, and she is the Western hippie. Um, and she grew up in the Pacific Northwest, like I did, lived on a place called the Funny Farm. And she remembers her happiest moments, um, our time spent with her dog Corgi, Willard, and her horses. And she's here today because uh, we have so much alignment. It's crazy. But what we're really excited about is that she's getting ready to release a book called Be Fucking Brave. And I am just over the moon to have her here because I know that you guys are really going to get a lot of value out of this conversation. Um, we're going to talk um, about all the things. So welcome, Michaela. Thank you, Michelle. I really appreciate you inviting me on the show. And I'm so excited to be here with you today. So I uh, met you many years ago when we were doing CrossFit together. And so we have some overlap there. And uh, a few minutes before we started recording, we were talking about, you know, your experience with CrossFit and and some aha moments you had while you were doing that. Um, and so I feel like that's kind of a good place to start. I'll share too that when I was at the height of my like CrossFit journey, that my mom had been um, terminally diagnosed and uh, we were going through some pretty rough times with her. And then she actually passed a few months later. And so literally like that eight month time period was when I totally would go to CrossFit just to get all of that angst out and all yeah. of that um, emotion that I was dealing with and all of the grief and the sadness. And so I wondered if maybe you wanted to talk a little bit about your experience with CrossFit and what you discovered when you were doing it too, as a place to just jump off of. Yeah, I joined CrossFit mainly because of my cousins, the wolves that own the CrossFit gym now here in Sandy. Shout out to the wolves. To the wolves. Yeah, <laughs> they're amazing, amazing people. They and are. Yeah. So started really because of them. What I wasn't expecting is I joined CrossFit when I moved back from Los Angeles. So I went to film school in Los Angeles and really CrossFit just gave me the sense of community and home and something like you said to look forward to every day. And I didn't realize, you know, how anxious I did become when I moved back home. And so it also in a different way gave me a place to express and get out my emotions and yeah. didn't didn't realize that. And then towards the end, I think I started in 2016 was when I had my, you know, when you go in and get the, the basics training mm -hmm. and left at the end of 2018 from a back injury and really, you know, realized my back issues was stored trauma and I wasn't addressing it. And so CrossFit really gave me a place, you know, at the beginning for purpose. And then at the end, like a place to witness all the pain that I hadn't dealt with, like yeah. literally. Yeah. So it yeah. was, yeah, it was just a really great teacher for me in so many ways in that season of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is amazing. And I'm glad you brought up California too in film school because I, I do want to maybe take a step back and talk a little bit about that uh, experience for you because you recently talked about that on your socials just that you know that was a place that you went to on your own uh, I'm a big fan of like taking those big leaps I've done some solo traveling myself and um so I wondered if you wanted to talk a little bit about that too, about your journey to go there and to go to film school and what you learned about yourself while you were there. 
Yeah, so much. I joke because I didn't really go there to make film. <laughs> like you learn how to make film, you know. That was kind of the side effect. I really, you know, in hindsight felt like, you know, God, the universe, you know, whatever term, you know, fits with the person best sent me there to learn about myself and to find out who I was away from home because yeah, I don't think we really know who we are until we've stepped away from everything that made us you know, who we are in, in a sense. Yeah. So yeah, I went down there and really discovered myself. I was very lost. You know, I had called it in the post that I you're referring to, I call it a mad season and a mad season is another term for depression. I use that that term because it's a Matchbox 20 album and I love yeah. Matchbox 20 and Rob Thomas. And that, I mean, it's so wild how a album can really sync up with the season because it's not just like one song I would listen to that album and it would articulate how I was feeling when I couldn't articulate how I was feeling and so yeah I go down to California and really just lost myself I worked at a place in high school and so I was 19 turning 20 when I moved down so worked at this place in high school my freshman year to a year past my senior year and really just kind of lost who I was. And I'd had, and we can talk further about this if you want to, but about three or four months prior to moving down to LA was when I realized I had PTSD from sexual trauma because I had entered my first relationship and it had just brought so many things up. And then yeah. we broke up right before I moved to LA and it was just I really needed that. I was glad that I was able to live by myself and sort through that on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, cause I didn't understand what was going on with me. You know, it was one of those moments I'd been telling myself yeah. I was, I was fine. Uh -huh. And then, you know, enter a relationship and find out, Oh, I am not fine. I've just been avoiding everything. And yeah. So moved down to LA, got into acupuncture, started playing volleyball again. And, you know, listening to podcasts. Ironically enough, that's where I fell into my love of podcasts. I read Dave Asprey's book, The Heartwigs, you know, that started the whole 30 and really just learned about how to holistically take care of myself from the inside out. And that mm. prior to like, you know, I really thought it's kind of wild how our ways of thinking can change because mm. I really thought when you looked at a human, it's like, okay, if your arm hurts, you treat your arm. If your head hurts, you treat your head and really changed my philosophy on healthcare because I'm like, everything's connected, yes. you know? Yeah. So that was really my journey in LA was finding out who I am and how I think and my values away from home. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you bring up the holistic um, approach because I, mm -hmm. that's how I coach really is from a holistic approach too, because you know, mm -hmm. dis-ease or anxiety or depression or any of those things that we're struggling with are typically a sign that there's something we need to address internally. And mm -hmm. I always feel like it all comes back to, you know, self-love, right? Like how, how I love myself, care of myself. And if I have, you know, trauma or issues or things like that, like if you try and stuff that down, it's just going to come out here and there and everywhere in all different ways. Like you can try, but it will, mm -hmm. it, it will manifest itself in your body. There's just no other way around it. So mm -hmm. uh, I love that you discovered that about yourself and um, you brought up the sexual trauma and the relationship that you had, uh, mm -hmm. which I know is a lot of what you talk about in the book, but yeah. were you, were you suppressing those memories and they, they came up in PTSD in the relationship or did you know, and just said kind of like, I'm not talking about that. Did you remember the abuse and that it were just kind of like pretending like it wasn't there? Pretending like it wasn't there for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. And I, I didn't have the awareness at that point to understand my reactions were linked back to the trauma. I really, cause I really, um, I'd met this guy in October and we went on a date. Like he asked me out again and I really liked him. And when he asked me out again, I was like, nope. <laughs> and I didn't under, like, I remember it's kind of interesting, but I remember sitting in his truck when he asked me back out again. And I like had two voices talking in my head and I do my best to actually show this in the book, like the internal conflicts that I have going on because 
I didn't understand it. I didn't understand that there was like a trauma voice talking into my head and like my higher self talking to me in my head of like, Michaela, yeah. like go out with this guy. You like him. And my, my trauma <laughs> voice, like you run as fast as you can the other way. <laughs> and you do not look back until you are alone, like far, far alone and nobody can find you. Yeah. And, and yeah, I let, I let the trauma voice win and him and I ended up running back into each other in uh, April later that year. And then finally let this higher voice speak and say like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why I want to run away. And again, not willing to admit it's the trauma. Like right. it's, yeah. it's, it's not like, you know, blamed it on, you know, my parents divorce and yeah. relation relationships suck. And that's definitely, yeah. that, that's definitely a piece of the puzzle that was true, but it wasn't mm-hmm. the elephant in the room, you know, so to speak. Yeah. And, so yeah, I didn't, I didn't really have the awareness and then, and I, you know, I got so fortunate. He was very slow and patient and yeah, one day he, I'm five, three on a good day and he was six, two. And so he picked me up to kiss me and I dissociated, uh, one of the worst associations I've ever had. And that, mm. I mean, it terrified me. And that moment I was like, Oh it's the sexual assault stuff that's bothering me, but it, yeah. it took, it took that moment for me to realize that that's what was bothering me. Right. And I think, you know, I was 19 and just, yeah, you know, didn't I mean, know better. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, I mentioned to you before this call and to my listeners, you know, I, I'm a survivor of abuse also come from a super traumatic childhood of just like lots of chaos. And so, like mm-hmm. I can't even tell me how many times I've been in therapy, you know, in my lifetime. And I think it actually, the first time I went started in my twenties. Um, but you really do have to kind of spend some time taking care of yourself, realizing what those things are, you know, that those triggers that you're having, um, address that, that situation that happened to you realize that it's, it's not about you because a lot of, a lot of survivors internalize that and make it, you know, about themselves and and take on shame and guilt and things like that. And none of those things are ours, right? None of those things are ours to hold. Really, we just have to, you know, kind of nurture ourselves, take care of ourselves and build some skills to to move past um, those events that happened to us in the past. So one of the other things I wanted to talk to you about was um, a piece of that post you put up yesterday and I'm going to read this for our listeners because it's just so beautiful um the way she puts this into words and and it's about bravery and that's really why I'm so again really pleased to have Michaela here is because she is being so brave talking about her story and I really think it's going to be impactful for our listeners and this is what she wrote bravery is not what or who we are all the time Bravery is something we call on when we have lost our way. Bravery is a split moment of strength that gets us through to the next step when the sound of fear has become too loud and anyone can be brave for a a split second. So I want to talk a little bit about um, the name of the book and the quote that's with with your post here. Um, so tell us a little bit about that story. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that mad season I was referring to, I didn't realize how low I had got, you know, I was doing a lot of things that made me happy. I was eating well, I was running, I was riding horses every day. You know, I really was living the life and I just woke up every day, just like with a cloud over my head and I couldn't shake it. And that quote, March 25th, 2015. And I, I don't know who originally wrote the quote, uh, a girl named wild woman speaks. I went <laughs> into this big rewilding phase of my life and she posted it. She wasn't the original writer, but it say how you feel, leave the job you hate, love with every ounce of your bones, say things that matter say the things that matter. Don't settle. Don't apologize for who you are. Be fucking brave. And so good. It's I really, I really wish I could give credit to whoever wrote that because it's just so simple. And if you go look at the quote, just the way it's written, you know, the first parts in its own stanza, and then she like puts dot, 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 and there's a, a space and, you know, it's be fucking brave. And to me, just the feeling that I get when I read that, it's like, you know, you're saying all these things, 
And when we're reading it, it sounds really hard, especially when you haven't been doing those things. You know, I was Mm. petrified. I wanted like love connection and validation so much at that time. Like I was petrified to do those things because if I, if I did, I might upset somebody. I might, you know, and then it was like, like she looks me in the eye through that quote and was like, be fucking brave. Come on. And I was like, Oh, and the irony is during that time, I was the total target audience for the teen fantasy fiction. (laughs) But yeah, and (laughs) yeah, (laughs) so about to reveal a lot and Divergent, (laughs) Divergent had come out and the the movies are meant the book, especially the first book, Tris, the main character being brave was her big thing. And she didn't consider herself brave. I didn't consider myself brave, but it was this moment of stepping up and doing the right thing. And so you can take a moment and close your eyes and you just do it. And that to me is bravery. And it's interesting because at the same time, all these quotes about bravery started coming up and it was without fear, you don't get the chance to be brave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I, I loved that one too. And so it was just this season of me learning that bravery wasn't this big thing that I had to do. It wasn't even who I had to become. I just had to have this split moment of close your eyes and go. And that bravery honestly was doing the right thing, even when I didn't want to. And so sometimes you just have a moment of stupidity and you're like, (laughs) okay, I gotta do this no matter what. And you just go. Cause I, I'm a scaredy cat. I mean, I'm not (laughs) afraid to admit it. I don't like pain. I don't, you know, I'm a little bit of an adrenaline junkie. I like my roller coasters and stuff, but I I can get trapped in fear pretty bad. And so I liked that it wasn't a big step. It was just the small step towards doing the right thing. That was bravery. And so it really is just, that's become a theme in my life. And so when I sat down to write the book, I just BFB, like the be fucking brave. Just, I'm like, I feel like I have to write that because, and that has to become the title of the book because, you know, people would ask me like, how'd you get through the trials? How'd you get, you know, cause after the sexual assaults I went through mm-hmm. and we can talk about this too, but when the sexual assault happened, when I was 12, I had repressed memories from assaults that happened when I was under five. Mm -hmm. And so those came up and I told the officer about them because I didn't want to, I didn't want to jeopardize the case against the horse trainer. So I told him about both. They decided to take both of them to trial. So four years later, I'm just finishing out of trials and it wasn't, I wasn't brave. You know, I was scared through the whole thing. I had lost you know, so many people that I I really loved and didn't, didn't know how to live without. And it was this moment of just me getting myself up off the floor was bravery. And I didn't consider it brave, you know, I know, but if from an outsider's perspective, tremendously brave, yeah, tremendously brave to even, to even tell, right. Because we know that a lot of times, uh, victims of abuse don't even tell you know, it doesn't get reported. It doesn't get, it doesn't get prosecuted, you know, all of those things. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. that was tremendously brave for you to, you know, gone through that whole thing, even though in the moment you might not have felt brave or you might've felt scared, which I think is the interesting part about those kinds of situations that all of us run into. Like, first Mm -hmm. of all, our brain is hardwired to keep us alive and keep us safe. So yeah. fear is like the default, you know, that little voice mm-hmm. is like, Oh, don't do that. That's scary. Something bad's going to happen. Don't go mm-hmm. down that road. Mm-hmm. That's our survival mechanism. But the bravery part, you know, of that just doing it anyway, that just stepping in yeah. where I needed, where you needed to be. I mean, there's, that's where like kind of the magic happens, right. Mm-hmm. Is kind of stepping out into that space, even when we, feel terrified, even when we feel really yeah. scared, even when we don't feel brave, still stepping into that space and being there and doing those things and even reflecting, right? You're like, I didn't yeah. feel brave. I felt really scared. Yeah. But from an outsider's perspective, you know, you look, you look tremendously brave. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I do have to say, I didn't tell, um, I planned on taking that secret to the grave. My sister knew something was wrong with me and she told my parents. So yeah, I got to give credit to sister there. Um, yeah. I, you know, definitely, you know, then the detectives and stuff, you're really like, you know, 
You still have to tell the story though to them once you know once she figured out what was going on. There still was a lot of bravery on your part there to carry it through. Yeah, yeah. And it, you know, it's interesting because sometimes you talk and it gives you clarity. And it was more on focusing for me on doing the right thing because that was really what kept me going. Was I didn't want it to happen to somebody else. Yeah. So that was what kept me going through the trials and through everything else was I didn't want another, you know, little girl to go through what I went through. And, you know, sometimes now that we're talking about it, I'm like, is that what bravery is? You know, doing, focusing on the right thing more than your fear. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's definitely part of it. Yeah. You said a minute ago, um, you know, not even knowing, right. Like Mm -hmm. that there was a possibility that life could be different for you, um, yeah. that you could make change in your life. Um, and we talked a little bit of that about that before this call. And I think yeah. what's interesting when you think about like the technical terms of like fixed mindset versus growth mindset, but really to break it down and make it more, you know, simple to understand, it's a lot of people get stuck in the knowing, not knowing that they can make change or that they yeah. can have a different path in life or that they can overcome some situation um, that's holding them back in life or some traumatic event even. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Do you mind if I read a song lyric? Oh, please. I, I, I was that. I was listening to it before. It was funny. I was preparing for our podcast. So I was listening to music and I just, I felt guided to listen to Landslide by Stevie mm, Nicks. Such a good song. Such a good song. And the one stanza really stuck out to me. And it says, well, I've been afraid of changing because I've built my life around you, but time makes you bolder. Even children get older and I'm getting older too. And, you know, I was, I was thinking about that because there was this moment I just reviewed in the book the other day where I am 13. So I'm like in seventh grade. And wow. the, yeah. And the thing that has been hard for people to grasp. And, you know, hopefully I relate it in the book was the way that I was groomed and assaulted. I was in my first relationship. So I was processing everything that had happened, but in so many ways, I was also going through a breakup because of how I was groomed and the way that the events rolled out that summer. So September would have been like three, I guess this moment happened in October. So this is like six weeks post the last assault happening. Okay. And then the second trial had come out and it was with my babysitter's son. So the arrest had happened and what, you know, my babysitter in a lot of ways emotionally was more my my mom than my mom was able to be there for me emotionally. And so I went to her event. I went, well, now, <laughs> you know, I just accused her son of rape. So a yeah. little complicated, a little complicated. So I planned on having her by my side, the whole trials. I didn't think they would ever take her son's case to court. I just thought I had to say the truth to not jeopardize the other court. I thought we were out of the statute of limitations. Like I checked all of this before my interview with the detective. And so I'm going through my first breakup. Essentially I'm processing assaults and now I've just lost basically my family. Mm-hmm. And so I Rihanna's good girl gone bad CD had come out and I put the song good girl gone bad on repeat fell asleep in the shower and finally decided I wasn't going to shower. So I got, out of the shower and I laid on the tile floor in my bathroom for hours and I in hindsight and it was interesting that I was listening to that song I couldn't imagine my life without these people and since I had to move forward without these people I thought I was better off honestly being dead than moving on and you know call it God the universe I mean I laid on that time I mean it's October I live in a basement basically. So it's even colder. And I mean, I, my whole body had went numb. I'd laid there for so long and I heard a voice was like, Michaela, you have to get up. Like you can't lay here anymore. And it took me probably an hour to get up. And I got up like step. I remember like getting to my knees. And then once I got to my knees, I like kind of got up on my elbows. And once I got up and I would listen to this song on repeat, and I was like, okay, when, when the next, when it starts again, I'll, I'll, I'll move. And then when it starts again, I'll move, you know, and it was a step-by-step motion. And that was really 
after I finally got up off the tile floor, that was the next six, eight months to my life till the trials got over was as Stevie Nicks so beautifully said was unbuilding my life around these people, imagining my life a different way. And it's interesting because I'm in that season again, in so many ways, I'm learning how to get back up and rewrite my story without, you know, the guy that I mentioned earlier, I never imagined living my life without him. I thought, you know, I'd go off to LA and come back and we'd get married and da 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 da, and it was a done yeah. deal. And I think, you know, like the book, it's rewriting what your life, you want your life to look like, you know, line by line, you know, like I did on the tile floor that day, like getting up step by step yeah, and not, you know, for me back to being fear, if I get too far out in the future, it terrifies me, you know? <laughs> and so it's just like one step at a time, one day at a time, one sentence at a time yeah. of yeah. learning how to unbuild and, you know, rebuild your life. So, yeah. And just, you know, yeah. I think remembering that we can do that, you know, we go through some humans are so amazing. Like we, we have mm -hmm. such a, a big swing of emotions that we go through in life and really terrible things can happen to us, right? Like really yeah. traumatic events. And, and even though you and I have been through our share of trauma, we know that there are people who've had worse trauma even than we have mm -hmm. had. Um, you know, there's, there's a huge conflict going on right now, you know, in, in, Israel and Gaza and that's so complicated and there's civilians dying every day over there. Um, mm -hmm. but I say that because we are, we are capable of so much, right. And we are able to reinvent ourselves and, and yeah. start over today, tomorrow, next week, next year, we have that capacity. And I think that's the thing that I always hang on to because, you know, yeah. I've, I've had, uh, significant trauma in my childhood. I was a high school dropout. I have been married and divorced a couple of times. And, you know, through all of those ups and downs, like my, my mom dying, like I, you know, told you about that. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's been other events that have happened that have been, you know, pretty traumatic. And yet yeah. I know that tomorrow I, it's a new day and that I can continue down the path of finding out what I want my life to look like today and go about making that happen for myself. And I feel like that's the yeah. path that you're on too now is, mm -hmm. you know, realizing that you can really take back your power with this book. And mm -hmm. um, I hope that you'll, you'll find something to share with us out of the book here um, in a minute, but, you know, I love that you've taken what's happened to you and made it into this, you know, victory story, really of how you've overcome that so I think that's what's you know that's again like where the magic is for me you know is when I when I think about moving out of that I'm stuck in this one space my whole rest of my life and saying no I I can I can move and change and grow and and, and so can anyone else you know anytime mm -hmm. they want so yeah yeah and I I think you know for me in this last season going back to the piece you said about self-love you know, in so many, when I wouldn't make a change, if I really peeled back those la layers, it was, oh, I don't believe I'm worthy of changing or worthy of having, you know, the life that I want, or even worthy of love in so many ways. Cause yeah. you know, this, the, I don't know how much you dive into the subconscious. I've been geeking out about it so much, but I had this belief, like I was only good to be somebody's sex toy. And outside of that, like that was, that, that was my belief system. And so really, going through and rewiring that and like, no, I'm worthy of getting up off the floor and making a change. So I love that you, you said that because we really, we really can change and humans are the most like adaptable creatures in, you know, the animal kingdom. And so, yeah. Yeah. And that we're worthy and deserving mm -hmm. and that we're not, you know, whatever happened to us, that that, yeah. that doesn't define us. We get to define who we are, you know, yeah. I think especially as women, like we get to define you know, our own strength and our power and, um, and, you know, not, not be, not allow ourselves to be like judged by, you know, whatever has happened to us in the past or, you know, mm -hmm. what the patriarchy might say about what's, what we're supposed to be. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you have something out of the book yeah. you'd like to share with us? Yeah. Is there anything specific that, um, honestly, when I go to share out of the book, I, I kind of, 
just scroll through and whatever page I land on, I run with. <laughs> Let's do it. I love it. Yeah. Pick something and surprise us. Yeah. Okay. All right. Perfect. Okay. I think I'm not really sure where we're going with this, but this feels right. So we're going to run with it. Okay. Even when I have never seen something done before, I can tell if someone is good at what they're doing or if they're terrible at what they're doing. I don't know why I know the difference, even when I'm watching something I've never seen before in my life, but I do. I remember seeing talent or lack of talent since I took swimming lessons as a kid. I started swimming lessons while I was still in diapers. And once I got old enough to form an opinion, I could tell who could swim well and who would have their arm floats on in the kiddie pool for a very long time. I never wanted to be the kid stuck in arm floats. So I pulled mine off early against the instructor's advice. I told the instructor I didn't like them and they hurt my arms. No one argues if you say something hurts. But the truth is when I but the truth is I would have drowned before I became one of those kids stuck in the kiddie pool with their arm floats on longer than necessary. <laughs> I knew there had to be a quicker way to get out of the kiddie pool. So I started removing all my flotation devices. And if I recall correctly, I became the youngest kid in my swim babes class. So I must have done something right. The moment I watched Todd and his mayor do a few maneuvers together, I knew how much talent both of them had. To be fair, Todd did show off a bit. While in his spin maneuver looking thing on the horse, he wrapped his reins around the horn and completed a maneuver with his arms crossed in front of his body, which mesmerized me even more. So no, I had no idea what I just watched, but I knew it was good and both of them were very talented. Really talented. Also, I love watching people who can ride horses with no hands. It just impresses me. It's impressed me since I watched my dad turn his mule Festus in a full circle just using his legs when I was five or six years old. After I watched my dad turn Festus like that, well, long story short, Festus became my mule. And I spent hours on that poor mule until I learned how to turn him with just my legs. Watching Todd and his mare made me realize that riding Vegas had turned me into the kid and stuck in the kiddie pool with her arm floaties firmly around her biceps. I mm -hmm. wanted out of that darn kiddie pool and I wanted the damn, <laughs> the damn arm floats off of my arms. I made a commitment to learn everything I could from both of them. So I studied their rides each time Todd rode her. For time's sake, I normally clean stalls while Todd rode horses. But when he rides his mare, I make sure I'm standing by the arena gate and studying every move. I become more mesmerized with each and every ride. I still want to pin myself because I can't believe I get to ride at a barn with so much talent. It makes me feel like my dreams have come true. True. There's just one thing I don't like the mayor's name, Tivio, or as I would say, disgusting. I mean, I get why he calls her Tivio. She's a granddaughter of some horse named Poco Tivio. And apparently it's very cool and very rare to have a horse this close closely related to Poco Tivio, but Tivio, it's not cool to call such a beautiful mare an ugly name. The first time he told me her name, I spoke I thought he spoke in some foreign language. And besides, he didn't even know her name when I originally asked him for it. He just picked it out of her papers because her grandfather and blah, 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 blah. But I don't understand <laughs> the whole paperwork mumbo jumbo because my dad never cared about it. So I never learned about it. But I do find it odd that he never asked her name when he bought her. That is weird, right? Although maybe it shouldn't surprise me. I have rode with him for over six months and he still doesn't say my name properly. He puts a B at the sound of my name. So it sounds like Caleb instead of Kayla. I figured it's just because he's old. So I don't say anything about it. But I do say to Tivio every day that if she was my horse, I would give her a prettier name. <laughs> it's really interesting that that came up because the book that's like, I, I do love just like scrolling through and picking a name because the book has allowed me to see the patterns in my life. Mm. And one of the patterns in my life is I see other people's talent more than I see my own. Interesting. And it will get me stuck in the patterns of staying in a situation too long. So as far as like us talking about self-worth, that was really interesting because I, I saw more worth in, um, his name's not actually Todd. It's a pseudo name because um, I don't want to deal with the legal mumbo jumbo behind using people's real names. Yeah. So Todd's fine. Yeah, Todd. So I, I saw his talent more than I saw my own. And so when when things started unfolding, um, you know, I was so fortunate to ride with someone who was so talented Then how I was treated was almost it didn't yeah. matter. It didn't right. matter. And yeah. so it was interesting that we were talking about self-worth and that was mm. what came up because writing, writing that section made me realize like I let myself be treated even at, you know, 12 years old 
as a less than because I wasn't quite as talented as him. And really, you know, that talent was always within me. It just needed to come out. And then the the mayor that, so this was a little bit of background because I just pulled a piece, but it was my horse trainer that assaulted Mm me. Right. And he had bought that horse like in the middle of that summer. And anyway, we ended up buying her and I still have her 16 years later. Yeah. And she was with me every day. I mean, I, you know, would cry on her mane. What's her name? Her name was Tivio and I, I kept my commitment. Her name is now Pepper. (laughs) (laughs) Her, uh, I do know more about the, so the book is written. Each section of the book is written as if I was still that age. So it's broke out in sections, 12 year old Michaela, 13 year old Michaela. So the section I just read is 12 year old Michaela and so 12 year old Michaela did not know nothing about registered names. It is actually very cool that Pepper is so closely related to Poco Tivio. So her registered name is Tivio's Miss Pepper. So when I got her papers from Todd, I, I changed her name to Pepper. Yeah. 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 I thought it was interesting in that first part where you said you've always had this talent for seeing other people's talent, um, like the kids in the pool and stuff like that. Does, is that something that still happens to you today in other situations mm-hmm. and how does that come up and like how do you because you said that you in that situation you kind of thought that person was better than you when they were really good at something so now if someone in your life is you know looks like they're better at something than you what comes up for you now are you how do you look at that yeah I'm working through it with my <laughs> uh, I see a spiritual guidance counselor and we're working through it because yeah. I the barn when I was referring to my mad season when I was 19 kind of the same thing happened it, it's ironic it was with a horse trainer again oh, yeah, right. but that's how I lost myself again was she was so talented and I just was so in awe of who she was as a writer and I wanted to become that horsewoman but I lose myself. I mean, that's the consequence for me is I lose myself. And then I don't own, I would say self-sabotage is how it still comes up for sure of not stepping in and owning my gifts and what I bring to the table. And one of the limiting beliefs I've been working through, and I, this is where it comes up is for some reason, as a kid, I perceive that I don't matter. And so that that's kind of, if I pull on that thread, that's where that comes from is I never step in and that that's a lot of what this book is, is stepping up and like, no, I, I do deserve to own my story for yes. some Lord unknown reason I can write, you know, and I can express myself when I write. And so owning that, I was joking with my, I think I'm hilarious, but I don't tell, <laughs> I don't tell people this because I mainly just joke between me, myself and I. So only me, myself and I knows how funny I, I think okay. I am. <laughs> so you're but, telling me you're going to be a stand-up comedian next. <laughs> uh, only like Willard the Corgi knows and my shower head knows, but um, I was joking like, Michaela, why are you so depressed all the time? And the only label I really will put on myself is that I'm a writer. And so I responded to myself like, Michaela, how many writers do you know that aren't depressive drunks? You've decided not to drink. So that just leaves you with the depression. <laughs> and, um, so this book is like, no, I am a writer. I can communicate well. I can own yes. that like pieces yes. of, of myself Oof, because I, I would, I just kept putting myself on the, on the bench and mm-hmm. sidelining myself. And that's seeing other people's talent, but not seeing myself. That's how it manifests <laughs> is I constantly am putting myself on the sidelines instead of stepping up and in volleyball it was like no coach I can serve you put me in no matter what and so this book is really me saying like now I can serve put me in and let's play yeah that's a powerful message though because I was just having a conversation with someone last week who said to me I finally realized that it didn't really matter you know what other people thought and this person had a, a thing with, um, they never thought they were good at math. Somehow they got the message somewhere along the way or internalized mm-hmm. that about themselves. But it turns out they're really freaking good at math and mm-hmm. they really love accounting and they really love numbers. And this person was telling me like, I finally realized I just needed to like embrace that and own that and not really care about what someone else thought about that, that, she realized she was putting her, you know, your own projections, her own kind of projections. Oh, 
And then this is even more like powerful. Yeah. It's the stories we tell ourselves. We tell ourselves we're not good at math. We tell ourselves that horse trainer is a better rider than I am. And it, when none of that is true, you know, we, 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 you're a great writer, but you want, you know, you, you almost kind of want to tell yourself a story about, but I'm a crazy depressive writer or whatever, you know what I mean? And so it's like, <laughs> there, I think we have to be really careful about the stories we tell ourselves because, you know, our minds are so easily persuaded, you mm-hmm. know? And um, I think that that's one of the places that I work in my limiting beliefs is around catching myself in the stories I'm telling myself. Yeah. And one of the big changes I made in the last couple of years was I used to always say, I'm not a morning person. I don't like getting up in the morning. I like to sleep in. And yeah, sometimes I do like to sleep in, but really if I get up in the morning early and I go outside and it's like quiet and peaceful and the sun's coming up and the sky is a beautiful color, I am in love with that time in the morning. And so it was like this revelation for me of like, don't tell yourself that you're not a morning person because really you are. It's just sometimes you stay up late. Sometimes your bed's cozy and you don't feel like getting out of bed or, but once you're there, you're like, man, this is it. This is like the best time. My, my brain is clear. I have a lot more. That's usually when I record my podcast is like six o'clock in the morning, because it's like my brain is on and it's working and I'm Mm -hmm. creative. Um, So all of that to say, and I think like, we have to continue to really address those beliefs that we have and those stories we tell ourselves because mm-hmm. you know it's again that that mindset stuff that we can just say hey I don't really know if I like that story really true is that really true what I'm telling myself yeah. or is it just a story that I tell myself over and over again and yeah. then my brain is like well must be true you, you keep saying it <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah so, no words matter <laughs> oh <laughs> to yeah a, to a writer to a writer they <laughs> a do writer, you know words matter mm-hmm have yeah. you have you dove into human design at all? Um, a little bit. I have some friends that are really into it. Um, yeah, yeah. I have a, a couple of. There's a coach that's a friend of mine that's in the UK that she's mm. really into human design. Um, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, you, I have. You- I have a lot of depression gates in human design, and it was this moment because that that really helped me. Like you said, I would tell you know the story I would tell myself is you know I'm just a depressed person. And to a certain extent, it is true. I love my sad country music. I like, you know, I melancholy, melancholy, melancholy. Yeah. Yeah. I like, there's this weird part of me that loves being sad because there's like some really beautiful emotions that can come up and articulate it. It's just a, a, it's a song to me really. And so it's like, I had to start And human design gave me the words to articulate it is why I brought it up because it was this moment of like, Michaela, you are very good at going into the depths and talking about the sadness. You also are really good at being happy. So maybe like add a little more happy, you know, but balance it out, balance it out a little bit. But yeah, I, I, the story I'm telling myself has been a very powerful. I love that you brought it up because that's been a very powerful prompt for me, especially as a writer. It's like, let's write a new story, Michaela. Write a new story. yeah. 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 And I love that you brought up that, that point about to, um, oh gosh, I just lost my train of thought. Uh, it's gone. I don't even know. Train left just, the station. What were you, what were you yeah. just saying about the, uh, before about the human design part that you changed? It was a, just a really good awareness piece for me that I do have a lot of melancholy gates in oh, yeah. human design. Yeah. And you know, it is, there's this, um, I have this channel in human design that's about going to the depths of life and then bringing Mm. those things back up to articulate them for other people. Mm -hmm. And so knowing it's, you know, to go back to my kiddie pool swimming lessons, you know, I'm meant to go dive for the things in the deep end and then bring it back out, but you're not supposed to stay in the deep end because you'll drown. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you've probably heard of, um, HSPs then too, right? Like highly sensitive people. So yeah, Mm -hmm. you definitely strike me as one of those kind of people because they're really able to tap into kind of the whole rainbow of emotions, like the high highs and the low lows. Mm -hmm. And I also noticed something else about you, which I love because this is who I am too, is that most HSPs are also very, um, uh, fill music very strongly. And there's an episode I did with my, she's actually my daughter-in-law about HSPs a while back. And Uh we were talking about like people who don't uh, experience 
emotion around music are like, I don't even know who you are. We can't be friends. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because like yeah. for you, and I, I'm getting this from you, like that music really helps you kind of tap into that even more. And it, it's the same for me. Like songs can just take me places. Yeah. Yeah. So throughout the book, I can remember the music I was listening to at that time. So there's lyrics sprinkled in throughout the book because and it's actually that's one of my writing techniques Mm -hmm. I put on the music I was listening to during that time and that'll help kind of transport me back to remember details in the stories and even write from that perspective yeah music is it is one of the most beautiful gifts that we have on this earth I think because yeah I if someone does emotionally connect to music I'm like don't talk to me (laughs) I can't I don't even know who you are yeah 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 we're not well, friends. let's talk a little bit more about the book because that's yeah. really we're here to talk about that. So uh, the book is called Be Fucking Brave. And yeah. tell us um, kind of where you are in the process and, and uh, you know, maybe how soon you think it's going to be out for people to, to get and um, all that good stuff. Yeah. So my goal is a fall book, baby. <laughs> that is my goal. So late November by the latest is my goal. I'm also... I did promise myself I would let the story tell me when it was done. Mm -hmm. So if we go through the rewrites and I feel I'm self-publishing. So if I feel there's more that needs to be tapped on and we don't get it out for a few weeks, I am okay with that. So is is what I've done is there is a wait list. I do know about when this episode is going to drop. I would say in the next 30 days, 30 days. Okay. I'll get a, I have a waitlist link. I'll get a more concise link because the link I have right now is from my flow desk. So it's pretty long. Yeah. yeah. And so I'll get, I'll send you a link to put in the show notes. Perfect. And that is the best way to help me support the book and to get ready for the book. Cause is what most authors do is they do a pre-sale. And so when they do this, if they go through traditional publish publishers, and so all those pre-sales count as day one sales and it's day one sales that allows the book sales to, they push that out into their algorithm. Like this is having a really high sale rate. Let's put it in front of other people. And so day one sales matter the most as far as getting the book in front of new eyes. And so since I am not traditionally publishing, I don't have that option. And so I've been creating a wait list. So the moment the book drops, so is what happens is I'll upload it to the self-publishing platforms and within 24 to 48 hours, it will be available. And so yes. then I will send out that link and everyone who buys the book during the first day sale and I'll knowing me, I'll probably extend it out the first week. We'll get the audiobook for free when I release it. Nice. So that's yeah. my little thank you for supporting the book on day one, the first week that it's out. So that is the best way to support the book is to get on the wait list. So when she drops, then I can let you know the baby okay. is here. It's Perfect. ready for purchase. Okay, good. Yeah, we'll be sure yeah. to add that to the show notes. Yeah. Um, is there anything else we wanted to chat about today that we didn't bring up? I'm trying to look at my notes here. So yeah, um, talked about the ability to kind of choose differently. Um, we talked about how you got the book name. That was all good. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just kind of toss it back over to you if there's anything else that you want to make sure listeners know or hear about uh, your story or the book uh, before we wrap up. Yeah, I thank you so much for just allowing me to come on here and talk about the book. And, you know, it's I'm and just being so supportive of the book, you know, it really means a lot to me. And it it really this book is very special to me. And, you know. I think the biggest lesson for me is when you find the right thing, it flows a lot. It's not easy, I would say, but it flows. You know, I really, this is something that's been coming through for me a lot. I think there's one thing that we all need to do that would put us on our life path, but we avoid that thing because, you know, it's daunting. It's hard. God has been asking me to write this book for a long time and it came to me in 2019. I had done this like sexual assault awareness post, my friend. So the picture that's on the cover of the book is the photo my friend took of me during that time. And I really wanted, since the book came to me in 2019, I wanted to honor it by using that picture for the cover. And I wasn't ready to write the book. I'm not beating myself up because I didn't have it out in 2019. Because timing is everything. Yeah, because the way that the book is written, I did not have 
I did not have the skill set back then. And I was so disconnected from myself, even back in 2019, as far as my emotions and still kind of pretending like things weren't issues. But I had that PTSD moment in the back of my head that was like, "Mm, when someone still gets too close, you kind of still punch them in the face. I'm like, yeah, I know. Just let's not bring that up. (laughs) Um, And really after 2020 was when I really dove in and was like, okay, let's get to the bottom of this stuff because it's time. And that gave me the skill to get my writing back. And from 2021 till now, I've just been hearing God, like, get the book out, get the book out, get the book out. And that was my one thing that I felt like was going to put me on my life path, but I kept avoiding it. And I think we all know what it is, right? Like quit the job, like to go back to the original quote, quote, the be fucking brave, like say how you feel, leave the job you hate, love with every ounce of your bones, like don't settle, don't apologize for who you are, be fucking brave. Like one of those things, like we know what it is. And if we just take that moment of bravery and go do that one thing, I think God, the universe will put us on that life path. And that's what this book is for me. So thank you so much for, you know, allowing me to come on here and talk about it and, you know, share it with your audience. Cause I, I, I'm not usually proud of myself, but I, I am proud of myself for sitting down and allowing myself to go through this because my first draft, um, most people call it like a vomit draft or a SFD for like shitty first draft. Sure. Um, I called it the rage pages. <laughs> <laughs> I was so angry. I didn't even realize how angry I was about everything. And it was just like this uh, mother effort. And, the, and I, yeah. I didn't realize like how bad I needed to get that out. And then once I got the anger out of the way, the book came through and, mm. and, but I don't think I was willing to address that anger. And that's why this was the one thing that I had to do. So I think my, you know, message right now for myself and other people is like, you know, that one thing you may not want to admit it, you know, and, you know, for me, step one was getting the rage pages. Actually, if you don't mind, um, I can read the introduction because that was what really um yeah one and, thought before you do that I think that's oh, great yeah. I, I do want you to do that and that'll be a great way for us to close but yeah I'm really glad you brought up um being angry because I think that's something yeah. that a lot of women don't allow themselves to do mm-hmm. and you know you hear all righteous anger all that kind of stuff but like there is definitely a space for us to like sit in that And what I think what you said there was super powerful because when you allowed yourself to go there and Mm -hmm. be really freaking angry, that's what opened the door for you to be creative and get the writing out. So if you weren't willing to do it, to allow yourself to be in that space, because a lot of women, we we don't want to be there, right? We we don't want to be angry. It's not nice. All those things like we tell them, you know, be a good girl. We get her that message, right? Mm-hmm. But it's okay. It's okay to be really freaking angry because what that did for you was give you the gift of getting back in touch with your own creativity and allow you to write the book. So I would love to hear the intro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for pointing that out because I stayed away from that anger for so long. Like you said, I didn't want to admit that I was angry. I almost thought that it meant I was doing something wrong if I was angry and wouldn't let myself express it. It's the the stories we tell ourselves, right? They're so wild. And I finally, someone had said, I wrote the rage pages and then someone had said something to me. And when it came out of my mouth, I said it with venom. And Mm -hmm. I, like when I heard that venom come out, I was, (laughs) I just like, my eyes got big and I thought, whoa. And so I went to my spiritual guidance counselor and I was like, Kimberly, can we work on my anger issues? And within one session, so she muscle tests and can find the root of what's going on. And it was my 17 year old part of myself. And like you said, it was amazing that when I got those emotions out of the way, my creativity started flowing again. Mm-hmm. And I just want to encourage people. It was not nearly as scary as I thought it was going to be. That's such a big message. I tell people when we're trying to overcome fear or things that we're afraid to do, Mm -hmm. I'm like, it's really not going to be that bad once you do it. Trust me, just go and do it. Oh, I love that. You're going to look back and go, that wasn't that bad. I've done way worse. I always tell myself I've done way worse things. (laughs) I've lived through way worse things. I can do this. I love that. Yeah. 
it's not nearly as scary as I think it's going to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Not even close. I love that. Yeah. Brain being crazy again. I, th- I tell you, uh, have you ever listened to Dr. Michael Gervais? He's the, the, um, head psychologist for the Seattle Seahawks. No, uh, Michael Gervais. Yeah. He's I've taken his courses. He's just amazing. And anyway, but he, I think he was the first, I know other people have said it, but he's like drunk monkeys. That's the natural state of the, of your mind <laughs> is drunk monkeys. <laughs> I just think of like, it is this little oh, good. thing up when it goes off on a spiral. I tell you, if you don't keep, get that thing on a leash, they're drunk monkeys at a party with some tequila. Oh my God. That is so good. I mm-hmm. love that. Oh my yeah. Gosh. He's so he's coming out with a book too, but yeah, okay. I, if you haven't checked out his, his stuff, he's yeah, I've, I followed his work for a while and he's tangible. Um, and he also has, I don't know. I like people that have been there, you know? Okay. So yeah. Yeah. Totally. He's, yeah. Great. We'll share the introduction with us and then we'll, we'll wrap up. Yeah. So I, a little backstory with this introduction. I wrote this introduction probably a year and a half ago. I was sitting, I was home alone and I was sitting there and I remember I was like, I got to get up and write this book. I'd been put that one thing, right? I knew the one thing and I couldn't write it. I couldn't write it. And I just grabbed my laptop and this is, this is what came out and it still like surprises me. So <laughs> here we go. I've started and stopped this book three or four times. There are 5,000 words in one document, 10,000 in another, and 20,000 somewhere else. A part of me knows the simplest thing to do would be to go find those documents and continue with the partially written books. And the other part of me knows that I need to start here on this blank document. Well, blank 68 words ago. The part of me that knows I need to start here is the part that has finally figured out that I have nothing to prove that I need to write this book for myself, and that's okay. I took an online class in 2020, and the instructor guided us through this exercise to help us find our core reason for doing the things that we do. He had us set a goal, then asked us why that goal was important to us. We gave him an answer, then he asked why that answer was important to us. Several, why is that important to use later? A nerve gets hit, and occasionally tears start to flow. Nine questions later, I land on, so it wasn't all for nothing. It didn't make sense to me. So in typical Michaela fashion, I completed the exercise with two other goals with two completely different sets of questions. And as God would have it, I landed on. So it wasn't all for nothing each time. I'm stubborn, but even when I have the same thing appear three times, I know to pay close attention. Every time I went to write this book, I went to write it for you. Surely if I'm going to make something out of nothing, then it has to serve someone outside of myself. Isn't that the purpose of life? I asked myself to serve and help others question mark. But when I went to write this book for other people in mind, I faced two problems. First, I told myself I must be well off and quote unquote, fully healed to write this book. And second, because of reason number one, I place a standard on myself that doesn't exist in the human world. And I won't bullshit you or myself and say that I am well off and quote unquote, fully healed. I still don't know what that means when I'm not. So I would either stare at a blinking cursor and a blank page with no 68 words ago. Well, we're at 401 now. Or I would write a book that sounded like a politician giving a lecture about climate change while standing in front of their private jet. It was disconnected and dishonest and compared to the current. It was disconnected and dishonest compared to the current state of my reality. It's not that I don't want you to find some purpose and meaning out of this book. I do. Almost more than any therapy I've tried, the words me too have helped me immensely both when I have said and received them. But the truth is, I did believe I would write this book when I was on a high of some sort. As in, when I had life figured out, achieved some level of success that I thought was worthy of becoming an author. Spoiler alert, I have not figured it out. I'm not really sure what it is and how I'm supposed to figure it out. And I'm high on nothing. Although my 15-year-old cousin would argue otherwise, he's convinced I'm a closet stoner. But I wouldn't know how to use a bong or roll a joint unless there's a tutorial on YouTube. I'm stuck, I'm overweight, in more debt than I want to admit, and living at home, dreaming about the days when I used to live by myself. Long story long, I believe the only way out of whatever I'm currently stuck in is through this book. Certain stories keep playing over and over in my head, regardless of how many things I've done to clear them. Journaling, meditation, psychedelics, subconscious reprogramming, dancing and singing at a personal development seminar for six days straight. You name it, and I've probably tried it. And it finally dawned on me one night in the bathtub where problems shouldn't exist, that maybe the reason these stories replay over and over in my head is because they haven't been told in the way they wish to be told. And for me, that's almost always in written form. 
Writing became my therapy at a young age when I realized my hands could translate the words my mouth could not speak. I can't express certain things regardless of how much I talk and ask anyone who knows me. I can talk a lot. And that's why I believe I'm guided to write this book to fully express. I will be as honest as I can remember. That is my promise to you, myself, and God. I care more about the truth than I care about the discomfort and the not-so-pretty parts of this story because a lot of a lot of ugly will live on the following pages. Ugly acts, ugly thoughts, ugly feelings, and hopefully together we can find some beauty too. So who knows what is going to come out? I have nothing planned. I'm going to let my hands guide me to where they want to go. Maybe you and I should both say a prayer. Oh, yeah. Thank you for being here, Michaela. That was lovely. And I really enjoyed our time together. I did too. Thank thank you, Michelle. I'm I'm so grateful for you in this moment. So thank you. Hey, that's all for now, but come back soon. Did today's episode spark some new thoughts for you? If it did, subscribe and leave a review. If you want to learn more about overcoming fear and anxiety, head over to livelessafraid.com and check out all the episodes and find out more about what I do. If you're curious about what working with a coach is like, let's schedule a Zoom and I'll tell you all about it. Are you looking for encouragement? Then come over to my community group. It's the Live Less Afraid community group on Facebook. The link is waiting for you on my website. Thanks so much for listening. I so appreciate each and every one of you.